welcome to the very first Confessions of a Keyboardist podcast. I'm your host, Amy Frederick. I've wanted to do this for so long, I can't tell you. And I'm so happy to welcome my first guest here today, Rachel Solomon, established, well-established keyboardist here in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me. So, so thrilled that you're here. And um, I just want to say thank you so much for being a musician and being a keyboardist. And uh, Well, it came naturally. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess part, part of it has to be, uh, part of the thanks has to go to my dad. So, um, so he, he played a big part. In, is he a piano player? Yes. He, he doesn't play anymore, but uh, he was a professional piano player and saxophone player. And those were the two instruments that I gravitated to. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you had like an in-home coach? For, yeah, for the first several years, before I started taking real formal lessons, my dad was, he would show me and my sister around the keyboard. That's amazing, actually. Um, we were very lucky to have yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, especially if you liked him. And- <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so, get in there and practice again, like Beethoven's father, they always say. Yeah, was- they, you know, my parents weren't like that. I mean... Not really. I would at least, I can't speak for my sister, but I would usually pretty naturally on my own go in and practice. So, And what my dad did was he wrote out like little sequences. He would place the letter names on the keys and then he would write out little sequences of familiar movie themes or songs that we would know so then we could go play those themes on the piano. Oh. So he made it fun. Oh, that is so awesome. Um, I, You know, I do that with my students somewhat mm-hmm. because... Um, it then I bet that built your ear. I bet that yeah, I it probably did mm-hmm. immediately. I never almost. thought about it like that, but yeah, you're probably right. And made you free, like uh, I can play songs I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, it's not that hard. It's, it's this is doable. Yeah, the only time that I can remember as a kid where I wanted to quit piano was when I was playing a classical piece that I hated. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time I remember thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, my inner teacher is cringing right now. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what, what kind of um, torture have I put a student through today? <laughs> have I taught any, which, what was the piece? Well, I, I remember ask. what it was called. I don't remember how it went. It was called Poupée Vincent. It was Ooh. probably pretty standard at the time. I can't tell you how it goes or... Who the composer was. Oh, I'm so going to be looking that up. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not that bad, but I just did not want to play it. Sounds like a French composer. Yes. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that either. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay, how interesting. So the classical torture. Um. <laughs> Some classical torture. I mean, I took a classical piano lesson until I was 18, all through high school. Um, you know, at the time when most kids kind of trail off, mm-hmm. I still did it. Yeah. And oddly, I still did. I still took the classical lesson, knowing that I didn't want a future in classical music. Yeah. So I wanted to do rock and pop and and jazz and all that. But I, I still, it still was important enough to me to to have the lesson going on. Right. Um, would you say that's because like there wasn't a good rock teacher around, or do you think that you felt like it was good to have a foundation of that? Or you know, I do feel like it was good to have a foundation of that. When I was really young, I wasn't really aware that there was such a thing as, you know, a popular music teacher, which there is now in abundance. Um, It wasn't really until probably high school. My sister and I went to 
what we knew of as the first rock and roll camp in Austin. Um, and there at, I think it's called the Austin School of Music, they taught rock lessons. And so I wasn't really aware of that until later on. But I always enjoyed and taught myself rock music. I always listened to the Beatles and learned those songs. And so it didn't, it didn't take a teacher to, to uh, prompt me to learn that kind of music. Right, right. So, oh, gosh. That's so, I mean, that is just so cool that there was a rock school. Um, I think, you know, in terms of my um, upcoming, and it was just sort of a wasteland in that, yeah, in uh-huh. that area. I mean, that probably wasn't considered. It probably, uh, you know, even when I was in high school, it wasn't considered academic necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but that's why I wanted to go to Berkeley, too, because Berkeley made academics out of popular music right so and now that's much more mainstream oh than than ever before yes definitely okay gosh i'm just uh, now i'm just like so excited to ask you i have so many things (laughs) i want to ask you and so i'll just let me just get started and we're gonna i'm sure we'll touch back on some of the things you sure yeah um and then we'll just just um making a point that even though i have a very you know academic musical background as we both know many working musicians do not and that's okay too yeah um i'm thankful for mine but i wonder you know what would have been different if i didn't have that kind of academic background sure so i'd still be doing music sure i just wonder how i would have differently been formed you yes. know and developed i don't see how we cannot think about that mm-hmm. um I just played a gig last night with these, with at the Soul Vibes Collective. Oh, wait, I heard about this. Okay, mm-hmm. lots of ear players. I sure, think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that they don't read. They may they may very well read, but they certainly seem very natural mm-hmm. at their instruments. Like extremely, many of the players mm-hmm. were just extremely comfortable, and that's for me that comfortability factor is a big, big deal. Yes. Mm-hmm. So okay, so how did you get started playing piano? Well, it was it was my dad. Okay. Do you know, remember how old you were? Um, it was before age six because age six was when my mom hired a, a formal teacher. So I'm gonna say, I don't know, four or five. Okay. There are pictures of my sister, who's just a little younger, and me sitting beside my dad at the piano, and he's playing. Okay. And our hands are just kind of flat on the keyboard. <laughs> Did um, he own he owned the piano? It was yes, his? we had we had a family piano. It was passed down to us from my grandparents, actually. Okay. So and they it was my mom's parents. They gave it to us. It had been a wedding gift to them, and they gave it to us so we the kids could play. So okay. We could learn to play. All right. So it had been there your whole life. Yes. You uh-huh. saw it. You walk by it. Mm-hmm. See it there. And it's still there. It's in, it's barely alive, but it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know where my first piano is, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, very, it's very sentimental for Yeah, me. I know. I know. I mean, I, my parents have been going back and forth whether or not to sell it for years because it's in such bad shape at this point. And, yeah. But it's it does have sentimental value. Do you remember what kind? Yeah, it's a, it's a Steinway upright. With a full soundboard, oh, so it's my very goodness. tall. Okay. Um, and uh, heavy. Yes. Extremely heavy. Yes, that's why it's it's been so difficult to, to move every time we've moved. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. Um, let me see. Can I read my writing here? Um, okay. So your dad played piano. Mm-hmm. So did he listen to a lot of records too? Yes. Uh huh. All the time. Probably. Yeah. Um, who are some of the first influences you remember? Just like make well, you, you already mentioned the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Who else did you like to listen to, like as a young person? 
Um, well, it, probably a lot because of my dad. When I would be riding in the car with him, we would usually be listening to what was at the time the oldies station. So that was 60s music, maybe a little 70s. It wasn't, you know, what's considered a classic rock station now. But, I mean, it was oldies. It was 60s, maybe even some 50s music. So that's really what I grew up on. Um, With a little bit of Broadway, too. Even though my my parents weren't necessarily into Broadway, um, that was sort of, I think, a way that I made my classical lessons a little more pop at the time. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> like requesting, can I please play? Yes. What, what what was the teacher's reaction? Um, you know, our teacher re- incorporated some of that already. That's great. So yeah, so she, I mean, she was teaching little kids. Yeah. So it it wasn't at a point where it was it had to be classical or it was bad or mm-hmm. um, you know we had these songbooks that were part of our lesson and. You know, my sister at one point, or maybe it was me, I don't remember, we both learned your song by Elton John, and we learned some Billy Joel songs, and okay. so it was it was kind of incorporated into the basic little kid's piano lesson. Sounds like a good teacher. Yeah, uh-huh. she became a family friend, really. Oh, I bet. So, mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where was this? This was in um, Arizona. My, my family was from Philadelphia, and I was born in New Jersey. Um, but we moved to Arizona when I was about six, I guess, and we started piano lessons wow. pretty soon after. Okay. Just curious. Um, you mentioned Austin, so I didn't know if maybe you were from... Right. Well, I, you know, my family's been in Austin now for over 20 years, oh, so I, I say that I'm from Austin. Okay. But we lived in Arizona. I was born in the Northeast, you know, and I've, I've been here in Nashville longer than anywhere I've lived now. Really? Yeah, which is bizarre. Almost twice as long as some of the places I lived. Okay, when did you move to Nashville? Uh, in 2005. Okay, so we're at 13 years. years. Yeah, it's kind of scary. I never (laughs) thought that it would be that long. Yeah? Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You thought you would live somewhere else eventually? Yeah, I I just, when I moved here, I I moved here because a a band hired me, and um, I didn't think that I would still be here. I'm not in that band anymore, but I'm still here, still doing music. So it's a nice music community. I mean, yeah, I mean that's why so many people have moved here, and probably why I'm still here. Honestly. Yeah, it's uh, one thing I've noticed is that everyone um, helps each other. Yes, uh-huh, that's true. At least it seems that way to me mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, very much so. Um, so okay, so you mentioned Elton John, Billy Joel. So they were obviously piano influences. Yeah, to me. The really big piano influences, you know, so I, I mean, I've played a whole lot of instrumental music in my life, but I always really liked songs with words. So I really feel like the biggest influences on me were, you know, popular artists and popular songwriters who played piano. So Elton John, Billy Joel, Freddie Mercury, that Paul McCartney, that kind of, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yes. Had the biggest impact on me. Definitely. Me too. Um... And your parents, I, you know, I already asked you, your dad does play, and your sister plays too. She, she did. Oh, yeah, not she anymore. anymore, no. Okay, okay. Are, you, are you the only two in your yes. family? Yes, uh-huh. Okay. Um, did, did you have, like, close friends that play too? Did it become, <sighs> did you have a band in high school? Well, um, kind of. I mean, it, it wasn't my own band. Um, I mean, other than, you know, concert and jazz band, which I played in at the time. Um, 
I did play in sort of a jazz funk band with some kids at another high school, actually, that we all met through, like, we did region band auditions together, and so we had a, a little band for a little time. Okay, so did you march and stuff? I, and oh, yeah, I was, drum, I was drum major. Me too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I know a lot of people who were drum major. But people we, who were very, like, ambitious and, like, concentrated, those people were all drum majors. <laughs> yes. We, um... I guess maybe we end up being musicians, too. It's just, um, mm-hmm. I was such a band geek. I don't know. I loved marching band. What did you play? Um, flute and piccolo. Okay. <laughs> yes. Another woodwind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then drum major last two years. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, so you played in jazz band, you said? Yeah. yeah. So there was a jazz band at your school. Well, you know, now that I say that, there, there wasn't really a jazz band at my high school, which was really a drag. Um, but I always competed in you know the regional and state jazz competitions um and I was first chair in the region jazz band I think all four years or maybe maybe I was second chair the first year and first the others but I only one year I missed the state band by one chair because they only took two altos because in a jazz band there's only two alto players okay so I never quite made it to state jazz I did however and I'm not I'm not just Two to my own horn, but the <laughs> no pun intended. Well, yes, or, or intended. The ironic thing was, I sat first chair in the the Texas State Concert Band, which was not what I wanted. I wanted to sit first chair in the jazz band, but but that's not how it played out. So. Gotcha. Uh, you know, jazz is very traditionally male. Um, at least it was when I was growing oh, up. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And um, so to be to be female and playing jazz is. Just pretty. Yeah, in the regional band, I mean, I don't think there were any other gals. I, I don't think who made the band. Not that I can look well. Uh, now, you know, now that I think of that, I mean, I, I did go to school with a, a prominent bass player. I don't know if she made the region band, but I mean, she, she competed and did well, though, too. So. Mm-hmm. so I can see why you wanted to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's a big deal, I think. Um, for me, I would have been way too shy to, mm-hmm. to do that. Like, just very... I didn't improvise until I was in my late 20s. Oh, okay, yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. That all started coming about much later for me. Mm-hmm. Not not in high school at all. Sure. You know, it, it didn't for me as a pianist in high school because I played jazz saxophone. It wasn't until college and I started to study jazz at school and do gigs that I could then was able to sort of incorporate what I knew about improv to the piano. Yeah. And it's still something that I, I don't want to say struggle with, but something I, you know, am, am improving at. <laughs> so, Absolutely. And growing with. Oh, it's, jazz is just um, such a um, harmonic, melodic, I mean, rhythmic in every sense. There's no end to what you could learn and do. No. And, you know, something that I, I struggle with a little bit and I wrestle with because I want to be able to get past it as a block is I'm a classically trained player. And for a lot of, I think, pianists who were classically trained and didn't really do improvisation for a while, it's hard to get out of that very kind of left brain mindset mm-hmm. and play something that's musical and tasteful. And um, that's something that I wrestle with a little bit when it comes to playing solos. You know, I, I pride myself, and I think other people who play with me would probably also say that I'm a really great rhythm player. I'm very tasteful. I stay out of people's way. And when it comes to, like, a really short, tasteful solo, 
it has my name all over it. But when it comes to like a 10 minute jazz solo, that's, that's something I'm not as comfortable doing. Oh, I can so, um, you know, I echo what you say mm -hmm. completely. I love being, um, a support person. Yes. Uh huh. And put me out front and it's like, mm, okay, this is really different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's nice to be able to do both. I mean, a, a yes. lot of people, uh, I mean, in rock bands can't play rhythm. All they can do is solo. Yes. That's kind of opposite. But yes. it, it is nice to be able, or at least to strive to be able to do both. Absolutely. The best situation for me um, is one where I'm ex kind of expected to expand and stretch. Mm -hmm. And so maybe not give me a 10 minutes a little bit. Right. Uh -huh. But maybe a two minutes. Sure, a yeah. A couple of <laughs> couple of rounds right. through the changes. And exactly. Yes. Um, okay. Well, so how many piano teachers total have you studied with? Privately? I guess, yeah. I guess. Or, yeah. Before college, um, let's see, I'm going to count on my fingers. One, two, five. I think most of most of the teachers I had, I had for several years, mm -hmm. even in high school. I mean, I, I started taking with a new teacher, I think, my first year in high school. Then she moved, and she referred me to the, the person I took with for the rest of school. Okay. So um, it was always a very long-term thing. And, and then how many in college? So you said you went to Berkeley. I did, yeah. Mm -hmm. So do they assign just one teacher for the whole four-year period? Oh, or? no. No. Private lessons at Berkeley, at least when I went there, and this is 15 years ago now, it was really bizarre because unless you were a professional music major or a performance major, you only got two years of private lessons. You, or rather, you, you were only required or only insured two years, I think. Um, and I wanted to take more than that. <laughs> so, I mean, but I didn't want to be a performance major. So I took, I guess, six semesters of private lessons. And for some reason, this, this is kind of a dumb thing now that I think about it. I wanted to change up my teacher each semester. So I couldn't really build a rapport with, with one single one, except for, um, my, who I consider my, my favorite teacher was Dave Lamina, who I did take two, uh, two semesters of private with, and then I took a lot of labs with him, because um, he was very versatile. I'm familiar with him. I've oh, been, okay. I have uh, some books. He's written a lot of Hammond yeah. organ books. I'd ha I have a so, Hammond organ book. Okay, we probably have the same one. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And it's really a fantastic book. Yeah. He was a wonderful teacher and a versatile player, and he's now the chair of the department, which is great. Um, he's been there a long time, and so he really deserves it. Um, what are the things that make him outstanding? Well, I, I would say his versatility. So, in, in um, what, how many styles he can play? Yeah, uh -huh. I mean, he, he's an or, I don't even, I, I wouldn't know if he would think he's more of an organ player or a pianist or equal, um, but he could do jazz gigs and did blues gigs um, and did pop, and, I mean, he really did whatever it was. And I, I, would go on a little bit of a limb saying that's why he enjoyed teaching me because I also pride myself in being versatile in a lot of different styles. Right. So that was fun that I wasn't just a jazz head or just whatever, mm -hmm. or just a singer-songwriter, you know, which I do that too. Um, but I wasn't just accompanying myself. I could also play these styles. and Right. Um, teaching style, was he um, a demonstrator? Or have resources to give you, or um, assign interesting things to learn. That's, or? you know, that's that's hard for me to say, which is probably why 
I've never wanted to to I've never fancied myself a very good teacher because it's hard for me to put into words but you know what he did which was very helpful to me was like um, you know what can I can I play this can I play something as an example oh yeah absolutely okay. I thought you were saying he would say that oh no 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 no, no, no. yeah so like a you know like a, a kind of rock or boogie woogie blues figure you know something that someone who doesn't read music that kind of comes natural to them they learn by listening he would actually notate out and I mean it looks kind of funny because it looks like a bunch of 16th notes or a bunch <laughs> of 8th notes but but right. he did that for for anything for any kind of figure even this kind of New Orleans-y Notated, and I guess for somebody like me, um, or or even other people who really were just glued to notation and stuck to the page, that was extremely beneficial. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I so relate to everything you're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, totally. Um, to make that connection with how it looked, to turn it into how it sounds and how it feels. Right. And for people who don't really read music, you know, I I went to this event earlier this year. It was a, a piano summit for a bunch of dueling piano players. and Because I've been doing a lot of uh, dueling piano work and piano bar work, which I love. Oh, gosh, I have to ask um, you about that. I sure, we can, we can talk. make sure I don't run out Ad nauseum. So much I want to ask you about that. Um, we There's this event um, that's happening yearly now in New York, and... Um, there was a guy um, who used to teach at Berkeley. I never had a, a lesson with him, but his name is Bruce Katz. And he's a renowned blues, kind of old-fashioned piano rock guy. And he had also notated, hand-notated out Ray Charles figures. And there, there was a guy there who went up to him afterward and was, like, really perturbed that he had written this out because he was like the great piano players didn't read music why this isn't beneficial to me i mean so i mean people who don't read have, can get really bothered by that which which is too bad <laughs> i mean everybody learns differently mm -hmm. so oh interesting i mean um Sometimes if I have a gig and I've got to know a song really quickly, I will find the score. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's extremely helpful <laughs> to me. It saves me time. Yeah. The ear stuff can be, you know, it can take a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. So if I listen to something and I really want to play exactly the way it's, you know, I'll have to listen to it 20 times or drag out the amazing slow downer, which is a great ad. <laughs> and, you know, so it, slows, <laughs> oh, it slows down everything but keeps it in the same pitch. Mm -hmm. So you can hear every single note, and then, but then I gotta, I'll listen to it, and I'll have to notate it because I know that I have to play ten other gigs before I play that song, right? Or if the and gigs I, tomorrow, I and, forget it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just flies in, flies out. So for me, notation is extremely helpful. Yeah, it. I. It's very rare that I do a gig these days where I'm reading notes, but when I'm preparing my own notes, I will cut out a little piece of ledger paper and I'll write in what I'm playing. Me too. Mm -hmm. Me too. I'm, I'm just starting to make a book of things like that. Mm -hmm. just, and my charts are crazy. Mm -hmm. Half of the time they're just a chord symbol. And then I've got, like if there's a solo that I really want to nail and I want it to be mm -hmm. note for note. Because you can't just like play jump any way you want to. It's got to be. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and if you do, you're fired. Not not you, whoever it is. So. <laughs> right. Right. You cannot mess around with some of the things. They just have to sound exactly like. Mm -hmm. So, um. That's okay. That's really interesting. So he would just write those things out. I like that a lot. Um, it makes total sense to me. 
I'm, I'm always um, struggling with students um, how to reach them. Some students are really strong visually. Sure, yeah. And mm -hmm. some are really strong orally. Mm -hmm. And then uh, some are just really strong kinesthetically. And to try to get all three firing on all cylinders is yeah. the challenge. Mm -hmm. you know? And so some students really, it helps them to have it written. Um, okay, gosh, there's just so much I want to ask you. It's crazy. Um, so talking about technique, do you, um, do, what do you do to keep your, your, do you practice scales? I mean, well, what? I do. I do still practice scales. I don't practice daily, but when I do practice, I usually warm up with scales like I always did or with a, with a, a technique, you know, that my, my last classical teacher told me like... pinkies and my ring fingers still oh, because interesting. I keep telling everybody I've really noticed especially in the age of smartphone usage my ring finger and pinky have gotten pretty weak from holding the phone for mm -hmm. hours a day so yes. I do still still do technical exercises good point um wow um yeah the, my teacher at Belmont had a really interesting diminished um exercise that I, you're, you just made me think of it by playing that. And <laughs> get back to that. <laughs> um, it's hard to practice every single day. Yeah, when you're, when you're, when you're a working person, a working player, yes. it is hard to practice. Yes. Um, speaking of working, what was your first gig? Your, once, what's the one that stands out? Is Maybe you may, you may not remember your first one. I remember mine because it was crazy. But like, <laughs> your first happy gig or important gig. Well, I, I was thinking about this. Um... You could say my first gig, and this this was not paid because I, I would have been nine. Uh, I did karate as a kid, and there was a an annual karate banquet. I played piano at the annual karate banquet. That's awesome. Yeah, so I played all the, the Broadway songs I was learning. <laughs> oh, I love it. All the stuff I was learning by ear. Oh, my God. How old were you? Nine or ten. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> a karate banquet. I never in a million years... Would have imagined. Um, so, what did they do? They did they give you a treat for doing that? I don't remember. Get a, get a black and white belt. Well, no, I, I still had to work and take the test, you know, which which I eventually did get my black belt in karate. But but it wasn't then. I'm not sure if I was you know re awarded or rewarded. I don't really remember. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not sure. Hi. You can edit that. Out. <laughs> Um, so what are some other perks? I've, I've often, you know, thought about some of the, like the gifts that people have given me when I play gigs throughout the years. And, mm -hmm. um, I was just, you know, thinking, I want to ask everybody that I talk to that question. Anything interesting that you've received over the years? Well, sometimes it's dependedness, excuse me, sometimes it has depended on the, um, the fanaticism of the fans of the group I'm Absolutely. playing in. Absolutely. Um, I, I played with a group for a long time um, that had really fanatic, devout fans all over the country. And, um, I mean, we were given flowers. We were given home-baked, you know, zucchini breads. Um, we had a fan who was very a very harmless person, but something was a little bit off. <laughs> Not even a little bit. It was way off. Um, and I have very blue eyes, and he would always take note of how blue my eyes were. So one time he presented me with a piece of, um, 
what's the word I'm like craft paper with two big blue ribbons on it that represented my eyes. Oh wow. And you know, some people could take that as a creepy gift, but it was kind of sweet and cool. So um so stuff like that. Um trying to think if I mean shirts that were usually size 3x because those were the shirts that were left over from the event <laughs> right right <laughs> yes Something like that oh, that's hilarious <laughs> um you mentioned earlier that you moved to Nashville because you were um you were you were hired by a band mm -hmm. so let's talk about like what it's like to work with other musicians sure like um what's what kind of um I know for me it's run the gamut have been oh, yeah. absolute <laughs> terrible situations and to all the way to like I would say like band members who are my soulmates absolutely like, and not romantically but. sure right mm -hmm. well my my best girlfriends now are the women I was in a band with when I moved to town 13 years ago those ended up being my best girlfriends so you know I was I think about this a lot of people will say their best friends are who they met in college but my best friends are the people I was on the road with when I was in my 20s that makes sense so, mm -hmm. um so basically you learned the ropes with them and... yeah yeah I really did yeah. yeah that was educational for me it was hands-on which which I have found to be the best way for me to learn is learn by experience and doing what was that like the first time you went on the road? Um, <laughs> well, you know... Did you guys have support? A lot of people helping you out? Or? Well, no. Not in that group. But, you know, I i mean, the first time I went on the road when I was when I was in college, really. Um, whether it was just a weekend or with a small group that had a couple of dates in a van. You know, and when I went on the road then, I loved it. There was nothing like it. There, there was still this, you know, romantic thing about it. Um, I don't quite have that anymore just because I've done a lot of it and I've, I've been in the trenches of it. And I've been in some more posh situations too. Um, but now, you know, I have a cat and it's time from, away from him and from home and from some responsibilities. So it's, it's a little more challenging now. Yeah. But I, I used to love it and get so excited about it when I, when I was first going on the road and going on tour. Uh, where all did you go? Uh, um, all over the United States? Or? Yeah, the, the group I played in for a long time, we went all over the U.S. Um, we we went to Japan and Korea the first oh. year I was there doing U.S. military stuff. Um, we went to Guantanamo Bay Wow! before we could go to Cuba again. Um, so, I mean, we weren't allowed in the actual mainland, but just being on the base was great. So, we really went everywhere. It was an incredible experience. What was your favorite place? Um, Japan and Korea. I mean, it's hard to... And that was a long time ago at this point. Um, what year were you there? Do you remember? Yeah, it was New Year's going into 2006. Okay. And then in 2006, we went to Korea. Okay. I lived in Japan and played there for... No way! Yes. Four and a half months. Cool. Were you in the military? No. Um, I lived in Lansing, Michigan, mm -hmm. and... Um, their sister city was a town in Japan. No way. And it was on the largest lake in Japan, and they had a paddle wheel boat called the Michigan. Mm -hmm. And they sent American Michiganers oh my who played music over there to entertain. That's great. <laughs> so it was like a cruise ship gig, kind yeah, of. Yeah, kind of. Uh -huh. But we played four, four short shows, basically, mm -hmm. a day. 
and it was really hard work. But they love country music. Right, I was going to say of American music. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so it, was, it was a really great experience yeah. for mm-hmm. me. So I wasn't surprised to hear you say that that might have been your favorite. Yeah. You know, I, I'm on a, a, a mailing for a booking agent who books piano bars around the world. And every once in a while, there's this opening at a Chinese hotel that has a piano bar. And it's so <laughs> tempting. Um, I mean, it's, it's a very long engagement. It's several months. Yeah. And I, when that email comes along, I start Googling, you know, how can I take my cat to China with me? And <laughs> I mean, it's really tempting. Yes. Yes. I know exactly what you mean. They're just very supportive. Very kind. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and I just love the change in cult- culture. I did a yeah. cruise ship gig that was in Europe for several months and loved being uh, just surrounded in different cultures. Okay. On a daily basis. So the food, the travel, everything. Yeah. Just, it all appeals. Oh, yeah, it really does. Well, mm-hmm. that's a lucky way to be if you're a musician, I mm-hmm. think. That's a really, it's, that helps tremendously. Yeah, you know, even when I've been on, I've even done my own solo grassroots tour where it's just me in the car, and I make a point of going to historical things, to fun things, seeking out things, because, I mean, why else? I just think... Why else am I doing this? I mean, yes, it's the music, but at this point, you know, I've I've been doing this long enough that there's there's other stuff that I want to be enjoying and seeking out. So that makes sense to me. Um, that said, what would you say is um, what are some of your most like memorable gigs that you've ever done? If and base, basically, like I'm asking, like from a musical perspective as opposed sure. to a traveling perspective. Oh, sure, okay. Um, well, one of my favorite things that I've done in my career, and it's only happened a few times, is when I find myself playing a hit song with the artist that made it the hit song. And that's only happened a few times, but each time I, you know, the first time uh, we were running through um, Angel Eyes when I played with Love and Theft just for a little bit. Um, Angel Eyes was a number one hit 10 years ago. And the first time in Soundcheck, we were running through it. And I was like, wow, I'm playing the song with the guys. Great. And when I, I played with Heidi Newfield for just a little bit, and when we were running through Pour Me, Pour Me Another Shot of Whiskey, I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I played this song in another band. And now here I am playing it with her. Very so those, cool. those are some of my most memorable experiences. I'm just realizing that I should have asked you what was the name of the band you moved here for. Oh, sure. Uh, It it still exists. It's a band called Mustang Sally. Um, It was all women at the time. Um, It's not all women anymore. And even in the last couple years I was there, um, we had some male member, a male member, I guess. Um, But we were uh, a very good, that's kind of funny. (laughs) I guess I should rephrase that. One male member of the band. Um, we, uh, we were really good road band and we traveled hundreds of days out of the year and wow, so, and they still exist. They're still working at it. Okay. So. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say if you had to name a disappointment in the music business, mm-hmm. what would be, uh, what's, what are the aspects that were harder than you thought, or maybe something you want to do that you haven't done yet. Sure. I don't know. Disappointment means a lot of different things. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, in, in Mustang Sally, um, we, you know, we got a record deal, um, which can mean a lot of things now. Um, but we did sign record deals that didn't really go anywhere at the time, which was very disappointing. 
Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I've been fired from gigs. Um, and, you know, at the time, that was very disheartening. I mean, it happens to anybody. Yeah. I mean, some of the best of the best people you can think of have all been fired from gigs. But at the time, it's it's very, um, it, you take it very personally. Yes. So that's, that's not fun. Um, some, some more of the disappointments. Um, I guess, you know, it's, it can be, I, I realized when I moved to Nashville to join Mustang Sally, Mustang Sally had a booking agent, which I found to be very helpful in the success of Mustang Sally, um, especially in the money-making aspect. Um, it really, I feel like it really takes, you know, a village um, that has no political connotation at all. Um, but it really does take a team of people to get some to get something off the ground. It's, it is a business, yes. and um, I often work alone these days. Um, I've been doing a lot of solo piano gigs, or if I go do a dueling piano gig, um, it's me myself that books it. So I'm a very small, you know, organization at this point, and it's a lot of work. Yes. Um, and I, I tell people and I tell myself, you know, if, if this didn't mean so much to me, I wouldn't do this. And I mean, it, it really does mean that much to me, which is why I, I take on the work and the responsibility. Yes. Uh, you know, singles are so hard, meaning one-person gigs. Mm -hmm. um, like um, a band, you can play off of each other. You can ask someone, please do a song. I need to... <laughs> I've got to fiddle with my equipment. I've got to, you know, if something happens, you've got someone else you can play off of. I, for me, singles are one of the hardest gigs that there can be. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, anything from wedding to... Um, Name some of the venues, you, some of the things you Sure. Do. Well, in just this past August, I went to the Caribbean for a little more than a month. And I, I was in St. Martin, and I played at the Red Piano, Soul Piano Bar, for five weeks, just me. And Holy it, cow. Yeah. It was very challenging. The nights were very long. But I, I really can't describe how rewarding it was at the same time. I, I find solo work to be really fulfilling in an interesting way and it, it ended up being a great gig and I'm going to go back next year I already awesome. have yeah I already have the, the contract signed um uh, what time would you start I would start at nine o'clock this so this is this was really long yes I started at nine o'clock at night and with breaks that I could I could choose when to take them I played until two okay it was very very long wearing work yeah that but is. I loved it um, do you take requests? I do, yes. Uh -huh. so I love taking requests. Do you have an iPad or something in front of you? So I you can... do, yes. I, uh, a lot of people have different um, opinions on this, but I feel like if the lyrics are the only thing preventing me from fulfilling someone's request, especially if they've given me money, mm -hmm. I will absolutely, I mean, I've got a large collection of lyrics already, or I'll, I'll use a Wi-Fi connection and look them up. Yes. Oh, me too. I totally agree. Um, you know, you're you're there to to me. Music is a service profession. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Truly, and you know, you don't get to decide how you serve someone. You just... No. I, one of the the most fulfilling things that I've found, especially doing piano bar, is doing people's requests. Yes. Because they, it makes the person happy. It's rewarding to me. So yeah, I make sure that you know whatever it takes to do that person's request, I do it. 
Right. You can stumble on some songs that really fit you and you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, that's what's happened to me sometimes. Or, um, I don't know, um, you, you've realized some songs, oh, wow, that's a lot more compli- complicated than I thought it yeah, was. Yeah, uh-huh. So it's, it's like learning. Well, yeah. In the beginning, when I started doing piano bar a few years, well, I, that's not fair to say because I played at a piano bar in college. So, But um, when I got back into piano bar, I guess just a couple years ago, I was very hesitant to take requests like Celine Dion and, you know, powerhouse singers like that because I'm not that kind of singer. But what I've done and what ends up being very effective is I take the song down a few keys and I make it work for me. So what I've realized is no matter what the song is, even if it's um, Enter Sandman by Metallica, which I've done, I make it work for me. I love that. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I, I think actually. that's important. Uh, that To me, that sounds so creative. Mm-hmm. Like, I, if I was doing that, I would feel like that's very fulfilling creative, mm-hmm. creatively, because um, I'm going to make it my own. Yeah. That, that aspect of it would be really entertaining to mm-hmm. me. Um, let's say one of my students is thinking, oh, wow, I should do that. Like, right now, just listening to that. What's the some of the advice you would give them for uh, how do you how do you get started doing piano bar? D- do you learn 20 songs of the most requested songs ever or Well, you know, I I have a different story than I think plenty of other people who do piano bar. Some people who I I know and I've played with who do piano bar and they're good at piano bar. They seriously didn't know any songs. They walked into a piano bar and thought, "I can do this." And somebody from the, from the piano bar trained them. They gave them a handful of songs, you know, 20 songs to learn. Okay. Whereas somebody like me, I've just, I've always had really good ears. I've always had an enthusiasm for popular music. And so just, I've been able to retain a lot of music and a lot of songs from when I was a kid up until now. So I already knew a lot of songs. Um... So, and as some of my friends who do piano bar will note, my back catalog, you know, of older music, and I mean music before 1995, is very, very vast. Music past 1995, it's not as vast. Right. Still working on it. Um, but I, I guess my advice would be, you know, there's a, a list of torch songs. And, I mean, it'll change depending on who you're talking to, but songs like American Pie, Twist and Shout... Um, brown-eyed girls, songs that have been around a long time, and there's a reason that they've been around a long time. Those are the songs that I would suggest learning first yeah. if you want to do some kind of piano bar work. Gotcha. Have you done that work um, in bars as yes. well as? Okay, so you mentioned going to a, like a summit or something for yeah. What? T- please tell me more about this. Sure, it's, <laughs> that sounds incredible. It's and, it's only a few years old as as far as I know that these kind of dueling piano, I mean, it's like a dueling piano convention, basically. Wow. Yeah. Um, I went to one in New Orleans several years ago. Um, I went to one in New York City earlier this year. And um, the one in New York City earlier this year was really interesting because the people who went to the convention, most of them were piano bar people. But the uh, uh, the clinicians were people like, I'm, I'm forgetting his name, um, well, the uh, the music director for Billy Joel was a clinician. Um, the piano player for Dream Theater was a clinician. You know, it was really what I would consider high-end professional piano players. Yeah. Um, 
So that was a really cool experience. But, you know, what's the most that I got out of it and anybody gets out of it is probably the networking, of course. Did yeah. I did I get work out of going to that? Yes. Really? Yeah, because of people I met and I played for them. I heard them play and Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's um I mean, I just think that would be so much fun. It was out. really cool. Yeah. I bet it was. Um, I'm just thinking, so anybody cutthroat? <laughs> um, you know, even there wasn't really a lot of cutthroat stuff going on, at least not outwardly that I witnessed. Everybody right. was pretty encouraging and, and friendly. So there's enough work for everybody. Yeah, honestly, yes. yes. I, I think so. I mean, you know, the quality of work will, will depend on, um, a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and there are some gigs at just this point in my life and career I don't want to do anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, as you know, I, I've, I think I've learned in Nashville over 13 years, there really is a gig for everybody. Yes. There really is. Oh, that's really good to know. Um, okay, so let me name some different kinds of gigs and you say whether you like them or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to truthfully answer. Um, could be a lot of gray area answers. Oh, Weddings. Well, I I like some things about wedding gigs. Um, I played a wedding by myself, a solo gig, a few a few months ago, earlier this year, and it actually went great. And the bride found me on WeddingWire.com, which I, I don't get a whole lot of work through, but it was just totally chance she found me, and she sent me the nicest email. She was so glad that she had been able to contact me. Um, I've done some wedding band work, too, and I mean... The wedding band, I, I guess I've worked with a few wedding bands through the years. The, the quality can vary a little bit, um, but what really what really can vary is, and this sounds kind of weird, like the logistics of the gig. So do we have a green room? Are we going to get a dinner? How many hours are between, you know, logistical things like that that end up being a 24-hour time period. And yes. Sometimes yes. those things can... At a gig over the weekend, it was outside. It was forty degrees. We had leaves blowing on us, so that's <laughs> that's not one of the best uh, wedding gigs. But I've played great wedding gigs where the food was amazing. <laughs> yes, and they take care of the band. Yes, uh-huh. and they know uh, um, that they need to feed you. And yeah, yes, mm-hmm. and they don't make crazy requests or <laughs> right. Things are pretty planned out um, early on, and there's not a lot of last minute. Or hey, give me the microphone. I can right. sing. Free bird. Well, yeah, I, I played at a wedding like that a couple of weeks ago where, um, you know, it was a bunch of very young, very party people in the audience and they had a good time, but they wanted to slam the champagne bottle on stage. Oh, great. So um, it happens. Has anybody ever hurt one of your keyboards while you were playing a gig? Or- um, yes. I mean, I, nobody's ever thrown like a beer bottle, you know, on stage or anything <laughs> like that, but I mean, a drink... Because someone was spinning it around. I mean, liquor has kind of flown out of it and onto the keyboard. Um, I was resting, I think, a drink of mine on a speaker one time, and the speaker was rumbling so much, the drink poured all in my keyboard, which was terrible. Um, Did it do damage? Yeah. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Yeah, things were pretty sticky. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) People have fallen over um, when there was no, there wasn't a, a riser, you know, or it wasn't a risen stage. People have fallen over yes. the monitor into 
boom stands, which hit me in the face. Yes. You know, I mean, it's, it's a, it comes with the dangers. It definitely <laughs> Physical does. dangers. It definitely does. Um, so how about a stadium? Have you, have you played stadiums or arenas? Well, or? I, I guess, yes. I played with um, Toby Keith's daughter on the Toby Keith tour. And we were playing large arenas, large pavilion type things. So no one was going to fall into the <laughs> stage on those kids. Does that feel weird to you or do you, do you like it? I mean, uh, I've heard different people say different things. Both. It's, it's less personal. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of surreal. Yes. Um, but it's really cool because, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I wasn't playing when uh, the arena was full. But um, as people showed up, they were really excited um, you know, and the lights are happening while we're playing and, and it's a big deal. So, yes. Um, if you can't hear or something like that, you really can't do very much about it. Can you, you just no. really smile and pretend and yeah. And just, yeah. I mean, even, um, when I, I played with Mustang Sally, the gig I moved to town with, we did a gig in Switzerland. It was part of some kind of new music festival there was a country night, there was a rock night, Joan Jett was there on the rock night, and on the country night, um, we played, and the stage was amazing, the lights were amazing, um, and there were thousands of people there, and we couldn't hear. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. That's why the Beatles quit touring. Mm -hmm. That's what they say. Um, how about bar band? Honky Tonk. Um, I, you know, I don't do that a whole lot anymore. I did play with a group down on Broadway here in Nashville a couple weeks ago, and the band was great, and the bar was packed, and that made for a very a worthwhile, you know, gig. Yes. Um, I don't. I try not to do that a whole lot anymore. I mean, if the band is bad, and the pay is bad, and there's nobody there, those are gigs that I pass on now. Yes. Um, you know, if I was just moving to Nashville, I would do those with glee. But I, I try not to do that anymore. Sure. Um, how about um, jam sessions? Um, I'm not a big jam session fan, I guess. Those aren't, I mean, that's another thing that I associate a little bit with. Um, I don't have a lot of work. This And I did this a few years ago. I didn't have a lot of work. So I went to jam sessions. And I met people and I got work. So, I mean, it's, it's very effective and those... Uh, you know, in those ways. But if, um, if I have plenty on my plate, um, I, I usually don't find myself at a jam session. Okay. Coffee shop. Um, I've done a lot of coffee shop gigs, especially when I'm doing my own songwriter gig. Um, I like those because I think, um, even people who are at the coffee shop, not there for the music, they're just there to have a coffee. Um, I've found some people are even taken by surprise that they enjoyed the music and they'll come up and buy a CD. So those, those end up being very personal. Yes. So I, I do like those on occasion. House concert. Um, you know, I have a love-hate with... Well, I don't want to say hate because I don't hate them. Those are almost too personal for me. <laughs> Boy, they are. Um, they're very personal. You have to stick around and talk to, you know, I mean. Yeah. I mean, which, I mean, some people are very extroverted and well, right. really love to talk to their fans. And, yeah. I mean, as an entertainer, you know, I, I have a side of me that is like that. But I'm also quite introverted. Um, and when the gig's over, sometimes I really just want to go be by myself. Right. It, um, it's exhausting to, if you put everything into yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, the, the house concert 
is, is, is rewarding and beneficial because people are really listening to the music. Yes. Um, and financially, actually, they can really pay off because yes. people, people are there because they want to be and they want to be supporting the music financially. But um, those, I, I don't do a lot of those at this point. Gotcha. How about TV? Have you ever performed for TV? You know, I had a goal that before I was 35, which is at the end of the year, <laughs> I wanted to. Me. No, I was serious. <laughs> um, Folks, she could pass for 22. <laughs> Seriously. Th thank you. Yes. I get that all the time. It's very true. <laughs> um, I wanted to play in some, you know, performance setting. I wanted to play on a late night show. By the time I was 35, and it hasn't really happened yet. Well, there's still a few months. I have a few months, yeah. Um, it's, it wouldn't surprise me if it happens. Well, any, anything could happen. As we you, live in a good town for that. Yeah. As you know, any call can come at any time. Yes. Um, you know, I, I played with a group on, like, you know, Chicago morning show one time. I played with Crystal Keith on the St. Louis morning show. Okay, so yeah. I think. So I've, I've done stuff like that. It's not real fulfilling at the time. Exactly. Um, it's Quite very, sterile. Yeah, it's just you plug up and play. It's cold. Um, hopefully you can hear yourself. Um, and there's no audience, really. Yes. So I'd like to do Saturday Night Live, you know, oh, at, at some absolutely, point. absolutely, yes. Whether it's as myself or with somebody. I mean, you know. That would be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Or, um, like a late note, late night yeah, show. Yeah, like Kimmel or something. Yeah. I could see you doing that. At totally. some point, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so how about, like, as opposed to, like, playing live recording? Mm hmm What's your feeling between, like, the two, uh, comparing the two? Which one do you prefer and what are the differences? And... I, I don't have a preference because they're both so different and they're both very fulfilling and rewarding in different ways. Um, I love being in the studio. Um, for years, I was on a, a regular rotation of, uh, you know, doing um, recording sessions for publishing companies here in town when there was a lot more full band live sessions going on. There's not as much of that now because <laughs> so, somebody's dog is having... Maybe their owner just got home. It's crazy. It's dinner it time. It actually sounds like a bunch of coyotes. Uh, <laughs> well, it might be. Wow. I think... We're going to be lucky if we don't get eaten alive when we walk out of here. <laughs> it's like a pack of coyotes have surrounded the premises here at the music house. Um, what were we talking about? A recording. Yeah, a recording. Well, I actually saw a video of yours. Um, you were singing, was it Black Hole Sun? Oh, probably. Well, that was one. I didn't engineer that myself. Uh, I filmed it and edited it myself. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Thank you. Thanks. I, I love that. Um, do you do that? That's, that's so. That's sort of like um, to me. That's what you were talking about earlier when you were saying that you take a song and make it your own. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. So. I I started doing that particular song a few years ago when I was doing when I I'd be doing my own show and I wanted to do an unlikely cover that you you would hear, you know, when you went to hear somebody solo playing piano and singing. And yes. that that song is melodic, it's beautiful, and it's I made it my own. Yes. So. You absolutely did. Um maybe you should tell everybody like how they could go buy that. <laughs> Are you well, selling it? Sure. That? Yeah, actually I so what I did is I did a re-release of an EP that I put out last year. So I did a digital re-release that my version of Black Hole Sun is on. Um, so it is available on iTunes. Um, it's on the EP called Right on Time Deluxe. 
Um, it's available on iTunes and Spotify. Mm-hmm. And my, I think it's on Apple Music, too. You know, it's on all, all digital platforms. True, and you're managing yourself, basically. Yeah, because you're I doing mean, all of this. I work am uh-huh. to put this stuff out there. Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, it's it's tedious. Some of it's tedious. Yeah, I think, for some I, musical types, at least. Uh huh. When I when I talk to people who have either just moved to Nashville or they want to move to Nashville, I'm always incredibly real because my experiences have been incredibly real. Um, and I I say, you know, doing this is not for the faint of heart. And I mean, I'm, I'm still a a sensitive person, you know, and I get pretty beaten worn, but like, like I said earlier, if it wasn't important to me, I wouldn't be doing it. So you just led right into what I was going to ask. And I know we're we're getting ready to run out of time here. I've I've gone longer than I was supposed to, but (laughs) I just couldn't help it. You can, you can edit things out. (laughs) Okay. Well, probably won't, but, um, except maybe the coyote attack, um, so, like, you, you've said several times that you wouldn't do it if it wasn't worth it to you, and it means so much to you. Mm-hmm. So, name some um, name some artists that have really been influential. Like, who do you like to listen to? Who who pianistically has influenced you? Um, I don't know if you play much organ or keyboards or whatever, mm-hmm. but you can include those as well. Sure. Other players. Um. Well, really, I mean, one, as, as a songwriter, but two, as a player, especially when it came to accompanying myself, playing within a band situation. Really, it was, I mean, Billy Joel, um, Queen, it was listening to stuff like that. Songs that had prominent piano parts, like um, Sweet Home Alabama. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, there's an important part that goes... And that was very important. Um, A song like The Weight by the band. I'm trying to find... Uh, I don't know what key this is in, but it's like... something like that yes and that was such an important part of the song that that stuff like that really influenced me as a player Billy Powell was just he's just a phenomenal piano mm-hmm. player I, I love to listen to him mm-hmm. uh, Leonard Skinner's pianist and I don't know which which guy played that on uh, the way yeah there were two I, keyboard players mm-hmm. in that band but I'm not sure which one did that I don't yeah I don't know either but yeah I totally relate to those and like um who, so if you go to a concert, who are some of your favorite keyboardists that you've seen in live? Live, um, man. Well, I have I've seen Billy Joel live twice. Um, I saw Regina Spector live. That's a more more of a modern one. I didn't know she played piano. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, and I mean she's very good. She's she sounds like the record live. Very good pianist. Very good singer. Um. I, well, I mean, honestly, in, when I was growing up, more in high school years, I was really into Paula Cole and Sarah McLaughlin, kind yeah. of Lilith Fair era mm-hmm. songwriter people. Yeah. And they played piano. Um, and I, I never saw Sarah McLaughlin live, but I have seen Paula Cole live. Um, I saw Bruce Hornsby live a few years ago. With, you know, and it's, he tours sometimes just him. So he, he carries everything. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his piano is probably modified the way that he wants it. Well, yeah, I guess so. He has some, some MIDI things hooked up to it so he can put the string sound on. Okay. Interesting. I've never seen him live. Mm-hmm. need to put that on my bucket list for sure. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's obviously a, um, an above and beyond instrumentalist. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, which musician's death wrecked you the most? 
you know, I... Anyone stand out in that way? Well, or? not... I always ask all musicians on that mm -hmm. question. Not really yet, honestly. I mean, you know, even with the big names that have died shockingly, yeah, there hasn't been anyone that I go, I'm just, I can't get over this. You know, I think Paul McCartney's death might be like that, or Billy Joel's death. Uh, I mean, Billy Joel isn't as old as Paul McCartney. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I don't really have an answer. Oh, I'm so happy for you for that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember being alive. Well, I'm much older than you are, but... Probably um, not a lot, though. <laughs> uh, I'm 52. Oh, okay. So, I remember John Lennon. Oh. And that was just mega mm -hmm. traumatic. Yeah. Well, especially because he was killed oh, the way yeah. he died. Absolutely. But, um, okay. And, you know, I really, really hated it also. Um, the Fifth Beatle. Well, not their producer, of course. Uh, George Martin, but the... Billy, Billy Preston. Preston. Oh, uh -huh. oh, yeah. That just, yeah, that was just a few years ago. That was just a wrecking. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I love him. But, anyway. Okay. So, back to reality here. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say talk about um oh <laughs> uh, well i don't know we already talked a little bit about you know even though my background's very schooled not everybody who's a working musician is i mean a, a lot are at this point um because there's so many oppor opportunities that you can do that at belmont you can go to berkeley you can go to southern california you know you can go to audio engineering school so um you yeah. know, but uh, but there there are still you know a, a good number of players who don't have quite as much of a, a schooly background, and that's okay too. Yeah, I find that you know they they play differently, um, but it's that everybody plays uniquely, and it's and everyone is interesting to me mm -hmm. um, for different reasons. Mm -hmm. They're not all coming from the same place. It seems to me like you you come from a place of almost singer songwriter. Yeah, um, I yeah. Maybe that's sort of your true north. I don't know. Um, what's, what are your what are your plans for the future? Do you have anything interesting, um, exciting that you're dreaming about, or planning, or already in the works mm -hmm. that you're doing? Well, I um, you know, I I don't do a whole lot of side guy work anymore. I mean, I have done a lot through the years of you know just being the side man playing somebody else's band, but I I realized that I don't want to do a whole lot of that anymore. And maybe that's because, you know, I'm more in line with your, your artist, performer, writer stuff. Yes. Um, Does that fit the cruise ship stuff that you've done? I, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like I, I think you do a lot of cruise ship stuff, or you have I have, that. yeah. I'm not doing a whole lot anymore, but I have. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, is that sort of like solo act stuff, or did it just run the gamut? The, what, what did they expect of you? Um, well, the gigs that I did on a cruise ship were um, more of a dueling piano thing. Oh, okay. So, I, I, I mean, there are opportunities to be just a solo person, but I, I'm not interested in that on a ship. Um, mostly beca because the, the gigs that I've done on a ship are, they're nicer, the pay's a little nicer, the accommodations are nicer. And so I've been a little spoiled in that sense that I, I don't want to, make less money or be have a longer contract also my contracts have been short yeah. compa compared to other people on a cruise how long is short well i've done as long as three months which is short compared to other people's but i've also filled in for a week so okay. it's it's just dependent okay 
Um, dueling pianos, that's something I've never done. <laughs> it, it sounds so aggressive to me. Right. Is it really that way? Um, it can be. Wow. You know, on the ship, it, it wasn't necessarily that way, which was kind of a breath of fresh air, actually. Um, I guess because there can be families on a ship, there could be children on a ship, um, and often dueling pianos on land in a bar can be very crass. Um, and it, I mean, it depends on the performer. Um, I don't like to get that crass personally, um, even though there's a time and place for all sorts of humor. Um, but on, on a ship, um, it was, it was, I don't know, it really depended on who you were playing with, but it, it was less violent <laughs> and less aggressive. Okay. So times. you may get a, like a partner who's really just trying to outdo you with everything they have. Or... Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, but, but honestly, and some people who I know who do dueling pianos have been trained this way. And I'm really, really glad they've been trained. It is your job to support your partner. And I really like that they've been trained to do that because I think that's important because it's it's a still a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still two of you up there making music, right? And if you're just playing all over each other, right? Then it's then it's really unmusical, you know. And that I I think that even even if an audience is has had something to drink, I think they can still tell. <laughs> oh yeah. So I'm sure. Uh, you know, I'm just struck. I just think you're so brave. Because Thank you. It does. Yes. I have, you are. I've taken a lot of interesting, you know, um, unfamiliar territory turns in the last few years. I've had to. So. So very unexpected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just kind of thought, okay, I'm going to get in a band. We're going to get a recording deal. We're going to make records. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what's. And the music industry has changed so much mm-hmm. in the last ten years, maybe fifteen. And so, if you record, you do your own recording, you have a much better. Yeah. Uh, chance of making a living. I think sell your own CDs, do your own touring. Right, uh-huh. uh You don't have to go through like a company. Right, so yeah. You have more control. Over, mm-hmm. uh, and they don't, they can't tell you, you're going to record this song. Exactly. Gonna... I mean, it, just in my observation, it still seems to me that if you do end up getting a really big record deal, um, it gives you an exposure like a lot of the rest of us, you know, maybe aren't getting necessarily. Right. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I can only, I don't want to imagine the lack of control, honestly, that um, I'm sure a lot of people are experiencing. Yes. I think about people like Dolly Parton, you know, wow, how she maintained mm-hmm. <laughs> control of herself yeah. throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. So many, many years. She's um, she's a rare commodity. I yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably why she's she's still so joyful, though. Yes, <laughs> and hasn't been so so yes. run into the ground. Definitely, so, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, um, if you would, do you want to play something? I mean, oh, I. Yeah, I, I guess so. I'm not sure. <laughs> you don't have to, um, but you know, it would be kind of nice. Um, I my students are, um, I guess there's probably about twenty five of them right now. And they're, That's a lot. Yeah. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and they're used to me recording them a lot. I mm-hmm. put like a one-minute video of them on Instagram quite often. Okay. Because I want them to like each other and help each other. And like if they, I want them to hear each other play uh, different kinds of music so they can, you know, be informed on what's out there. Mm-hmm. What's, what are the options of things that they can learn and things they can play? And, sure. Um, some of them are really into classical music. And some are really great improvisers. 
and we do it all. I just try to cover everything. Great. Well, I, I think that's important. I do too. In this, well, it's it's just not possible really to go make a living playing classical music anymore. I mean, well, unless, right, unless you're just going to, well, if you're going to be a professor at it, school. But exactly. then again, you're not playing classical music all the time. Well, yes, you are, but you're also doing a lot of other things. Exactly. Um, I gig all over the place, so um, that's just, if, if they want to do classical, they might be better started going mm -hmm. to just a classical teacher, but... Um, that said, you know, I've paid some of my dues with that too. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you feel like it, fine. Okay, um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> if not, that's good too. Um, so I've got a little kawaii upright here in the music room studio. Um, I think this is, this is kind of funny. Um, maybe for the parents of some of your students, this is going to be funny. <laughs> cool. Um, so I'm going to play something that's it's a little bit rehearsed. It's not exactly improvised. Um, it's also a composed piece. Um, I didn't compose it, but it's the old theme to the Splendid Table, the, uh, the NPR cooking show. Um, I searched far and wide for a recording, a singular recording or sheet music of this piece, and I couldn't find it. So what I literally did, I listened to the end of the show over and over again and learned the piece because I, I wanted to play it in a show. So um, I'm just going to play this a little bit awesome. of it. So it'll just be a little bit. <laughs> okay. So. Excellent. <laughs> Let's start that again. Thank you. 
Mighties. That was so great. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think I've watched that show. Or is it? It's a. It's a radio show. Oh, it's yeah. A, okay. A... I just know somebody is going to really, really dig that. Somebody might that... recognize it. I actually, there's a YouTube video of me performing that piece, which I did just on a wild hair. So. Wow. Okay. So let me. Um, I will put all the information, you know, on on the um, website for this podcast. But let's, let's just go ahead and tell everybody how they can find you. Sure. Yeah. I I do have music videos and other fun videos on YouTube. Um, the page is Rachel Solo Music. So that's R A C H E L S O L O Music, and uh, it's the same on Facebook, you know, and all other social things. It's Rachel Solo Music. That's awesome. Gosh. Oh, and rachelsolo.com actually is my website. Okay. Very consistent. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I know. That's easy what to I find you. That's what I figured. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's what they say is very wise in the music business. Mm-hmm. Make it simple, make it short, mm-hmm. be consistent. Okay. Well, wow. Thank you so Thank you, much. Amy, for having me. Thank you so much for asking me to be a part of it. Oh, it's excellent. I mean, this is um you really took a chance on a newbie here. I'm this is my very, very first Podcast sure, well, I'm happy to, happy ever. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope, you know, I hope uh, you have very much um, continued success Thank in you. whatever Thanks you want to so do. Uh-huh. And that you get that gig that you've always wanted before, you know. Thank you, if, yeah. Uh-huh. If, uh, not in 35 and 36, uh-huh. who cares, you know. Yeah. By the time, you know, I don't know, you look 22, so what does it even matter? I know, I, I have another, you know, 20 <laughs> it years. It doesn't matter. Extra. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, take care. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.